A sound check? Uh, One, two, I'm a Jew. <laughs> Sorry. Tuka, tuka. Lou. has a great voice. I think Ian's going to be over here. <laughs> One, two. Nothing's three, recording. Four. One, two, three, four. Check, check, check. Yeah, if you guys want me to record a new intro where someone pronounces your name correctly, just let me know. <laughs> oh, really? Because I'm working on your thing. It's <laughs> really funny. Do you do that? Oh, if you want it with you. Oh, you know what? You should do that. Uh, you're talking about the, the, the voice. Okay, I yeah. thought you were just being <laughs> funny. But uh, one, two, one, two, one, two, one, two, one, two. I don't see any waveform. <laughs> Okay. You guys didn't test this this whole time we were up here? Yeah, I tested it and it, it was recording stuff earlier. All right. To, but you sure it's uh, recording, right? Well, it's if it's if it is recording, then the levels are need to be significantly raised. Everything is going into Zach's hard drive. All right. If you if you're recording over there, it's fine. Maybe, maybe you should check with Zach quickly about yeah. this thing. Yeah. He said he's in standby anyway. Where is he? How come he didn't come? He's on call. Uh, he had a look through something. Go. Hey, Ian. What was your guess? Marina and Keith Robinson. Now I know the theme. No, he says still fixing something. He got a lively. So where are you going, uh, Ian? Uh, London. Uh huh. I heard Prague and Berlin is like. Yeah, you're gonna like Prague. Is that Zach? Yeah. The food in Prague is great. Alright, as long as you're recording there, let's go. Right. Because Sorry. you can't get him, you text him, let him call you, but. Alright, cool. Yeah, we can get started whenever you guys are. Alright. Ian, you ready? City. The Comedy Cellar and Rethink Production present Live from America Podcast. We will make America great again. How about new, you crazy Dutch bastard? Live from America Podcast. I have a dream that one day this nation will rise up, live out the true meaning of its Oh, well, you signed it. Thank you. To be self-evident <laughs> No, 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 no. Excuse me. Just so you understand. We can't be the stupid country anymore. Live from America podcast. I believe we can keep the promise of our founding. The idea that if you're willing to work hard, it doesn't matter who you are or where you come from. 
or what you look like or where you love. It doesn't matter whether you're black or white or Hispanic or Asian or Native American or young or old or rich or poor, able, disabled, gay or straight. You can make it here in America if you're willing to try. It's just words, folks. It's just words. This is Live from America podcast with Noam Gorman and Haddon Gab. And Lou Perez, <laughs> comedian. And comedian in finance. Hello, yeah. welcome back to the show. Comedian Hi. Loopers as well. Noam Dorman, the one and only. His second favorite podcast. And our guest is Mr. Marion E. Brooks, best-selling author of What You Don't Know Is Hurting You, Four Keys to a Phenomenal Career. Marion is a certified career and leadership development coach. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Happy to be here. So what exactly is a career coach? <laughs> so it's an executive coach. So yeah. I basically help business leaders mm -hmm. to identify and maximize opportunities and overcome obstacles in their careers. And I also help transform managers into leaders. So there's a big difference between being a manager and a leader. Leader. Okay. So this is for a specific group of people or you can help anybody with their career? Anyone with their career. It doesn't matter what industry you're in. So I coach actors, I coach models, I coach finance people, I coach CEOs. It doesn't matter. The principles are the same as far as career and life development. Oh, interesting. So can you tell somebody, like, just try something else? Did you ever do that? Yeah, there, are, there <laughs> any, are there any actors or models where you're like, I it's don't, not sorry, it's not going to happen. Yeah. Try being a, a manager of a, at a store right. or something like that. Let's, let's just do a little role playing here. Okay, let's pretend Ian is a comedian. <laughs> really might not have the greatest future ahead of him but nobody really wants to tell him uh-huh yes and and, and you and he <laughs> hires you so, thanks no i'll be at the comedy we're, store this weekend thursday <laughs> this is so, hypothetical so, so let me preface i don't tell people what to do with their career i help them to maximize their career so if he's a comedian and he's not doing very well then we would dissect the things that he fuck you, Marion. <laughs> <laughs> the things that he's doing, and then how to do them more effectively. Whether it's the material that he's doing, uh, I wouldn't really call it material, but go ahead. <laughs> 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 Holy shit! Yeah, oh, yeah, shit. This is actually an intervention. From America, the podcast. You're welcome to the Infinite Intervention. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We're gonna do a trust fall later, and we're just gonna drop you. <laughs> I've had many interventions, but never one like this. <laughs> so, so, so you so will, little, little you, you will not. Tell somebody if you think that they're making a wrong choice, well, career-wise. Well, I work as a thought partner. So, no. If, now, if they ask me directly what yeah. my opinion is, mm -hmm. I rarely give my opinions. I walk through what they're thinking and what they want to do. Okay. And then I say, okay, based on my experience, these are the things that I think you should do if you want to move in that direction. And then you actually have to have tripwires. So, tripwire is... Okay, you've done these things. You should set a mark or a goal, and you should see progress. If you're not making progress, now you need to reevaluate versus just continuing to go down the spiral in that direction. Yeah. And then say, okay, or is it that the things that we set up aren't working? You're not working, or it's just the wrong thing for you to do? And now let's reevaluate. What is your true purpose? Is this aligned with it? Why are you doing it? Why do you want to do it? Mm -hmm. And then, you know, are there other options for why you, you to Why are you yourself? crying, Ian? <laughs> <laughs> Damn, he's well, on you today. Can you excuse me for a moment? Well, 
we not had a herd of guy marrying. Yeah. Ian, what's See, your man, trip wire? My <laughs> trip wire is walking in here. <laughs> it's like progress. I, I, I have progress. I know I accidentally bought so, I, I wasn't well, I have progress. I know I'm I have. you every But actually, that's a great <laughs> point. Actually, that's a great point. Not about Ian, but but like people don't see the truth. Like they need reality checks sometimes. Yes. Like I know a lot of people who think they're doing... I'm not talking about you guys. Some of the Palestinian uh, crisis, Palestinian-Israeli conflict. Well, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Now we know who's right and who's wrong. Okay. But, uh, <laughs> but uh, people need a reality check sometimes. Yes. Like, so how do you tell them to um, to have like realistic goals? Yes, we set the goals and why they think they're realistic, and then okay, now let's put a plan in place and let's work towards them, and then we have progress checks. Because actually, I've had some clients that I've had to fire. Yeah. Because they weren't doing the work. Mm. So you're wasting my time. You're yeah. paying me, but it's a waste of my time because my purpose is not to just make a bunch of money. It's actually to help people grow and to develop. I'm an investor. And so if you're not doing the work, then you're wasting uh, my time and yours and your one, money. So one you're episode a we trainer for careers. Yes. Mm-hmm. Well, one, ep- like one episode we had, you were, you were away. Tony Dyer was here. And we were talking about with the guest. About, he, she was a, a doctor and a life coach. So Tony told us a funny story about his best friend hired a life coach. Two weeks later, a life coach killed himself. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I was on that one. Yes. That, that oh, was amazing. so funny. It was That's like, incredible. I, I, I wanna, was I an AA you. sponsor who drank. <laughs> 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 I want to ask you a question. It's I, I want to word it in a way that doesn't come out wrong, which is I'm, I'm never quite good there at that. Go, but right. but it's, he, it's, did, he didn't give Ian that courtesy. It's what it's what I thought about. Okay. For you're you're a black man. Yes. For you to. Uh, Put your living in coaching big executives. I'm, I'm, I'm assuming many, many of them are, are white. If, you know, yes. Um, you have to have a certain faith in the goodness of people, especially at a time when more and more we're we're hearing that that, that racism is uh, systemic everywhere. Yes. For you to risk what you're doing to make a living, you have to have a certain confidence in people. Is that fair to say, or is that? Yes, I have an optimistic approach. So I'm not an unrealistic approach, but I feel if I do the work, and again, I use my own principles and I make adjustments, everyone's not someone that I should be engaging with. But the people that I engage with are the people that need what I have and are looking to move forward, no matter what their race, gender, that doesn't matter to me. So <clears throat> I, have, I have the track record. So I, I can show you how I came from being discounted as a kid and told I'd never be anything to where I've been able to rise in corporate America and now starting my own company. So if you want the blueprint, I can share it with you. If you don't want the services that I'm providing because I'm African-American or because I'm Texan or whatever your stereotype is, I look at it this way. That's your loss. But, but, but a lot of people are, I mean, I, I'm very, I find that, uh, the reason I was, I was struggling because I'm actually very moved by that in a way because it's like, that's like, it's a, again, you have to have a lot of faith actually, not in everybody, no. but in enough people out there that it, you feel like, yeah, I can succeed at this. Yes. And that means that the people that are supposed to be, uh, that, view, that I'm supposed to, or I might view suspiciously, I have enough faith in them that when they hear the substance of me, 
they'll recognize the substance of me, and that will be what matters to them. So, so I have a question. That's, you know, I'm I'm happy. Yes. I don't know. Are that's you, the way I. That, that doesn't bother I, you that I brought that up, does it? I didn't. N- I, no, I, oh, not okay. at all. It, well, it's it's a it's a valid question because there are stereotypes. I was told at one point in my career that I couldn't achieve a certain role in corporate America because it was a strategic. It was considered a strategic role, and as an African American. We're not considered strategic. Like the quarterback thing for a long time. Exactly, like like the quarterback thing. And I was like, whoa, wait a minute. Everything I'm doing is strategic. And the person who told me was a white guy, but he wasn't trying to hurt me. He was a mentor. He was a great mentor. He was trying to warn you. He was warning me, and he was saying, this is the lens, so what are you going to do to drive the strategy message around who Marion is? And so I built that into my brand as far as the three things that people think about me. And now if you go to the corporation where I've worked for over 20 years, one of the first things they would say is, oh, Marion's very strategic. So I use the information to build on versus becoming a victim of the situation or the information. I figured out how to leverage it to move forward. You know, I know quite a few people who work in finance. And one thing that I, that I notice about them is they're always out with clients. They're always either at a restaurant or they're drinking. And I almost wonder, it, would, it be even, would it be harder if you were a person who didn't booze, who didn't party, to actually be in that world? Because in a way, it's sort of like you're, you know, you're going to be a damper on any fun that, that's happening. In there. So, yeah, I, in those situations, that's the positioning component of my book. So 90% of the decisions that are made about all of us in our careers are made when we're not in the room. So you have to have someone in the room that's speaking for you when you're not there, Right. So you have to build those relationships. So you don't have to go boozing with everyone, but you need to build common relationships with influential people that are organic. Because all of those people that drink, they do other things as well. So finding those nuances and those opportunities to connect with people, you don't have to be at the bar, but maybe you guys both play racquetball. So looking for the opportunity. So that's what I help people do because I've had people say, well, I don't do this and it compromises my integrity. Well, don't do that. But what do you do? And then who does something similar? So it's taking that extra step to find opportunities in your obstacles. Yes, Ian. So (laughs) (laughs) you just raise your hand. He's like, yes, Uh, getting back to me. (laughs) (laughs) So I don't drink. um, Well, do you, I I wonder, like, what is the difference between strategic planning to help your career and just being, like, manipulative and... Uh, like kind of like using people and things like get getting SD Yankee tickets like some people do. No. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, my God. Let me write that down. <laughs> Go I'm on stop up right now. So, no, uh, it's a great question. Yeah, I call like, it what? the difference between showing up as a connector and a parasite. Mm-hmm. So parasites show up and they take, take, take. They want, want, want. Like I actually um, one of the actually the uh, woman who wrote the forward for my book, she is a chief officer parasite. for one of the. No, she's no, she's not a parasite. She's one of the chief officers for one of the largest technical companies in the world. And she's very social, but she doesn't like to go to social events. We were having dinner, and she said, I don't like to go to social events anymore because everyone asks me for jobs. Mm. And I said to her, well, if someone walked up to you and said, you know, I've been following your career. I knew that you were going to be here. I'm really interested in this. I know you, this is a part of your career journey. Would you mind giving me 15 minutes on your calendar just so I can learn more about what I need to be doing now? She said, yes, I would totally be open to that. Didn't ask for a job. You asked for insight. So I think that's the big difference between um, being uh, opportunistic mm-hmm. and actually being a connector and having a strategic plan that you're executing. People want to help people, right? I'm, I'm, but, yeah, go ahead. Oh, go ahead. 
No, no, go no. ahead. People want to help people. So if you ask some ask someone for some help and you do it in a genuine, authentic way where you're trying to learn something from them, they'll mo- more than likely do it. Did like, you ever see the movie Tootsie? Yes, years ago. When Jessica, Jessica Lang, when Dustin Hoppins is dressed as a dragon, yeah. and Jessica Lang says, I wish a man would just come up to me and mm-hmm. just tell me he wants me. And then when Dustin Hoppins does it actually as a man and she slaps him and throws That's what right. I'm thinking. Like, yeah, she says that she wouldn't mind if somebody came up to yeah. her and, and put it all that. But like, I know as a guy who sometimes get hit up for work, I, I wouldn't like that either. Like, yeah. if I'm in a social event, I'm like, no. Well, no, it's a networking event, not just a social. That's, again, about positioning you, the timing that you oh, do. It's, it's, it's an appropriate professional. Envi- yeah, uh, it's, I'm the, sorry. it's about the right environment. If I'm having I'm dinner and you come up and do that, I'm like, come on, dude. Like, yeah. really? This, if if this I just put Noam against the wall and just start kissing him, like, it's not a good move. That, not, that a, would not, not a good be, career that move. Would, <laughs> <like it>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that wouldn't be a good move. So, yeah, so what it is is that you have a plan and then you execute the plan, but all of your relationships have to be authentic cause, because people see through that. Mm-hmm. So, so you help like kind of like managers, not like. But can, can I just say something about that? This is a really good point because as a, as a boss, it is amazing h- how obvious these climbers are. Oh yeah, and it's also what they seem to have in common, and actually. I think this touches on EQ, which I just saw quickly by looking at the table of content, how, un, how much they lack self-awareness that they don't realize how obvious mm. they yes. are. And that everyone sees through it. Oh, my God. And everybody <laughs> knows. But, but I tell you what, like, I know you for a while. And, like, sometimes things happen around you. You may be not aware that it's kind of like kissing ass kind of thing, but it is, you know. Do you know I, what I'm saying? I, Maybe I, you, you don't see it like that. I do see it. But I, I know that's what you're saying, but I'm saying, but sometimes it happens and I think you don't recognize it. Like in a smaller... Like when? You want me to give examples? Yeah. I want to give an example. Like, um, I start, I'm not going to say names. Like, uh, I can mean to come talk to you, not to you, uh, about politics for a while, you know, just to get in and have that conversation and then... You know, somebody we know. Yeah. And then we'll get booked, even though it wasn't funny at the time. You know, Tony Darrow. Not but (laughs) 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 I'm not going to say names. I told you that. No, that's not true. uh, I I, I think it could happen a little bit. You know, I I see see it different. You see, uh, because uh, I can smell it a mile away. That doesn't mean I I won't enjoy the conversation, but I, I know what's going on. No, but sometimes you you give them the courtesy of like, you know what, it's fine. So I oh, might- some of the people that I'm talking about who I know are the climbers. <laughs> um, I I actually like I actually like hanging out with them. I don't I don't it's not, that, like, that's, I, I don't mind. That's my point. So yeah. eventually but, they're but gonna they're gain. But they're not fooling me. But doesn't no, mean no, that yeah. that's what I'm saying. Sometimes they're not fooling you. But it does happen to a level where it's not too much that it annoys the boss, but mm-hmm. it's not also not too little that you don't notice. But it's smart. It's consistent, and it's long-term plan. And there's nothing wrong with it, in my opinion. You know? No, that, but that is yeah. not the parasite to me. So he's looking for something common, this person or, what, or this madam, woman. Um, and it's around politics. So they've connected on something around politics, and then there are other opportunities that might come out of that. That's a but, different but, but, thing. But the, but the point is, they didn't connect in politics. He made himself have something in common, like politics. Like, it's fine if there's, they both... There's a comic... I know what X comic they used to uh, take notes on what people liked 
So, like, say you really loved the Mets. When he'd see you, he'd go, how about the Mets? They're really da-da-da-da-da-da. And then Lou loves the Knicks. He'd go up and be like, hey, do you see that Knicks trade that's going on? You know, hey. And then he would do this thing where he would book shows. Yeah. He would go, hey, you know, uh, I got a show available tomorrow at this spot. He, like, ran the Village Lantern. And, uh, and then, like, would last minute go, oh, hey, the spot got canceled. But just so that you knew that he was looking out for you and he never had the spot in mind. I, I, and then now he's involved in, like, real estate and i talked to him he's like i've never been more miserable in my life I'm like yeah i, I swear to god I, I had so many times that when i used to work here like like certain community will come to me and be like um fucking israelis this fucking israelis that then he walks inside he meets many fucking palestinians this fucking no. i swear to god so he was no. lying to you both of us <laughs> <laughs> so i have a question for you guys on both of those examples how long did it last? How successful were those people in fooling people long term? Oh, everyone hated that guy. Exactly. He was like a fucking that, pariah. That is my point. He right. showed up as but, a parasite, and eventually it comes to fruition, and people right, start right. to see you for yeah. who you are. And like that person. But, but sometimes it worked, and they, put, they do a good job. I actually find them sometimes, somebody who worked that hard and being that sneaky, I found them smart enough to do a good oh, job. For, I know not here, but in other No, places, I've but. seen people in... In all types of careers that yeah. have done it, even people with no emotional intelligence rising to yeah. the heights of organizations. Yeah, don't you have to be and somewhat sociopathic to succeed exactly, in like exactly, exactly. business or anything. Like you have to have a thing in your head that just like to what to succeed in in certain fields. I agree. You Sometimes to, you have to be psychopath. <laughs> I don't think. No, I, I don't think that. You think you need to be sociopathic to succeed? No, he said you don't. Or did you no, say you I have to? You said you do. Oh you God, know. no! Isn't that a absolutely of like a lot of people no. in finance? No, I, I think that, that has a lot to do I with think, the, uh, the, the cycle. I think, I think you talk about test. really, really high level. Right, right. How could how could our, how could you become like let's no. say President of the United States if you were like an amoral amoral sociopathic narcissist? Oh, ask Trump. <laughs> 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 how could that happen? So so I want to ask you something. <laughs> so, so you you help manage the. Actually, example, we should ask him what you you must have some insight into Trump. So I don't. But, but go ahead. You go must. Ahead. Yes. He well, climbed. Yes. What is it? What is it that we re, that the country responded to? It, it, well, there are a couple of things that I think Inherent people racism. responded to. I think that's one <laughs> what, of them. What did he say? Inherent, Inherent racism. Yep. He <laughs> he tapped into he tapped into a cohort that felt that they were not being heard and seen. And I think he really rallied them that I'm your guy. So that's I could have brought you a thousand mm-hmm. inherent racists. They all would have lost. No, no. I'm, yeah, I, I yeah, said that's yeah, part yeah. of it. That's, yeah. that's not yeah. it. Number one, you, we talked about this earlier. He, sh- he comes across, he, he might not be competent, but he's very confident. Mm. Right? He's very confident. He's very mm. good at sticking to a message, which as Americans, we don't like to have all of the details. Just give us the message you want us to have. He's really good at articulating that. Right? And so he's a- been able to rise for those two reasons, as well as he's rich, he's male, and he's white. In, in America, so that gives you an advantage. But they were all, well, they may not have been rich like him. They were all white that he ran against. Yeah, no, I said, but those other two components, yeah. um, even like you could, if you watched him on those stages and when they were doing those debates, when he was talking, he was making them look like little children. He was the most common. He was the alpha yeah. male. He's and like, we, that's what I say. He's an and alpha we male. like yeah. alpha males we in do. this society. And so that's why he was able to do it. He had uh, See, like I, I, th- I, I think he won because he was, uh, uh, and we talked about this before, stand-up comedian mentality. He was funny. He was quick. 
he he talked the way people want to. Well, that's why well, people you know, feel Andrew Yang is making a big push. <laughs> well, I, th- I, I think I think the question is. The article just came out about how. No, like, I, I think people people hate Trump so much that they are reluctant to admit that he has any gifts. Yeah. Which obviously you don't win the president of the United States with zero gifts, and all they need to do is remember that for like thirty years, we all liked Donald Trump. He was on Oprah. He was on this. He was on that. He was on he's The Apprentice. It was the number one yeah. sh- show. Like, yeah. like they like they make fun of like, uh, oh, he speaks like a second grader. Well, I don't remember anybody ever talking about Trump talking like a second grader for the thirty years right. that they were calling. It's like they they, they well, totally you, revised you everything. But I think Sandy, when everything <clears throat> shut down, he paid out of pocket for like PAs and assistance to keep The Apprentice being filmed. And he was like, Harold is like, he yeah. kept people working when no one had jobs in the city. That was like his big thing, you know? Yeah, he had, yeah, I didn't know that, but he had all, yeah. all sorts of things like that. But I so, think the commentaries changed though. So he sounds like a fifth grader now because the level of questions. And the intellect needed to answer them, as well as the research required to be an expert. That's where I think we're starting to see. Uh, the yeah. Let me tell you like why I'm not buying. Let me give you a perfect too. example. So you know, Trump is for tariffs, mm-hmm. and I'm sure we've all heard Trump's a moron because he's for tariffs, right? Mm-hmm. Nobody's smart would ever support tariffs. You know who else supports tariffs? Biden, Elizabeth Warren, mm-hmm. and Bernie Sanders. But all right, Bernie Sanders is a dumb old communist, right? Elizabeth Warren, this great Harvard professor. I've not heard anybody say she's a moron for supporting tariffs. So, so what does that tell us? It's, it's, it's not just like two plus two is four. Agreed. Trump, Trump's an idiot because he supports tariffs. No, you'll, Trump's an idiot. You want Trump to be an idiot, so you, you'll attach whatever. Elizabeth Warren, we're invested in narrative. She's being this, she's this smart Harvard yeah. professor, erudite. So we just pretend she doesn't support tariffs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But the fact is, if you're a moron for supporting tariffs, then Elizabeth Warren is a moron but as well. But does she support tariffs in the way that Trump does? I was going to uh, say. See, see what you're doing? You're, you're already trying to split the hairs. I don't know if he supports tariffs. Is that trying to split hairs, or is that asking a valid question to disseminate? <coughs> are, are, they they on different, are they on different products or different yeah. industries? Is it how you support tariffs? Supporting tariffs, I don't no. think, is a negative no, thing. No, it's not. Yep. Economists yeah, don't support <laughs> yeah, for the most tariffs. Part. I've never. Well, we, we, we've always had tariffs. It's not like he's inventing tariffs. I think it's the, Listen, the approach and how he's trying to execute the tariffs partic- in a bully. No, I don't have a particularly strong opinion of tariffs. As a matter of fact, fuck the Chinese. They're stealing all our intellectual property. Uh, what leverage do we have if they throw some tariffs on there until they say uncle, with, maybe with the goal of eventually taking over? I don't. I, that's not crazy to me. Okay. What, what I'm just simply um, commenting on is that I see this same opinion being expressed by two candidates, and apparently one of them is a total moron for having this opinion, and the other one is supposed to be this brilliant woman with a plan for everything. So something beyond just objective scrutiny is going on here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and, and also, I mean, uh, Bernie Sanders was, you know, uh, he said that uh, open borders is a Koch brothers thing. You yeah. know, so he, Bernie Sanders is someone who believes in borders as well and, and believes in... Um, uh, as he used to. Always he used to. Yeah. Now he 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 we took, he filibustered the immigration bill back in the day. Uh, Bernie Sanders, one of the main reasons we didn't have immigration reform under the Bush administration. Right, well, I, I think the the old are liars. The old the old play games. They all want to get elected. Well, well, well what I, I am wondering, you know, you, we can you know keep dissecting what it was that you know attracted voters People. to Trump the first time around. What's going to happen the second time around? Are there? Uh, elements of them that are still resounding, that, yes. that that are still inspiring people, or is yes. it, or is it just too much? Uh, 
too much negativity. Uh, I think to your your point, I wouldn't underestimate him. I think that's what happened last time. I think Completely. the the uh, Republican par, um, party underestimated him. And I feel like the Democratic Party yeah, underestimated like, him. Yeah. So to your point, the man is not an idiot. He would not be uh, where he is if he was a complete I, idiot. I tell you one more thing. People start to see that he's right. The media is biased and they're lying. You know, people start seeing that. Didn't MSNBC right about, yeah, today yeah. Uh, apologize for the thing? You know, they just they keep lying. Oh, Lawrence O'Donnell, that was ridiculous. But go ahead. Let, I don't know if you finished your point. Yeah. So, no, I was just saying. So I agree with you. I think that. In the country right now, I think there's a groundswell because some of the things that are happening, we are appalled over, right? But I think as long as the economy is still good, he has a chance. If the economy tanks, We're supposed to go then to I recession. think people, yeah. If we go into the recession, I think he, I don't think he. I, has I a think chance. he has no chance because I just think we're just. Who's going to beat him? I think anybody's going to beat him. I think we just, I we're too. all just exhausted. The by left this. is going to beat themselves. They're going to totally eat. Yeah, I, hate, I hate the left too. That's the thing. But the, the left is. I don't like any of the extreme extremes on either side. Yeah. I don't Whatever like the extremes at all. Whatever candidate gets further on the left, they're going to find something to tear them down yeah. because sure. Bernie's making progress. Well, Bernie's the Bernie Bros or whatever. You know, they don't want a women to win to win or whatever. And then Elizabeth Warren goes, "Well, you know, she said that she was Indian, and then all these people are going to tear her down. It's it's fucking insane. Yeah. Well, you have to be." Perfect and walking on it's water. It's fucking to be. nuts, yeah. man. And and Chappelle that, was that, talking about some of that in his special. All right? that fighting is gonna get in the way of Trump's gonna fucking win by a landslide again. I don't think so. Well, he didn't. I win hope. I was gonna say, well, he didn't win by a landslide. No, no, he actually right. didn't win the popular vote. He lost by yeah. what three million? Right. I'm well, but I mean, and he, he won. He won the electoral college by seventy thousand votes. And yeah. he just came out and said, uh, AOC came out and was like, "We need to abolish the electoral college." And he sent an email to all of his followers. It was like. Crazy AOC says she wants to abolish the Electoral College and coastal elites want to get rid of your vote. And then she just like retweeted him in 2012 and he's like, we must destroy the Electoral College. <laughs> 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 you got to hand it to her. She's good sometimes. She's, she's I pretty know. clever. Yeah, yeah she, she has clever. her moments. She, I, she does some dumb things too, but she's... I, and she's I, super hot. I whoo them titties. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, AOC hot. cup, baby. Oh. <laughs> I, I have a question. Did, did By the way, that was yeah, Ian yeah. who said that. Yes. Yeah, the Ian AOC's <laughs> new campaign yep. manager. Yeah. That's right. Intervene on this AOC. dick. I'm funny, all right? <laughs> I didn't even notice that she had titties, to be honest. But go ahead. <laughs> I was too busy listening. I was too busy listening to her policies. <laughs> oh, yeah. I know ideas. Yeah. I was too busy crying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Go ahead, Ian. Um, so as someone who's, you know, I guess my question is, could you make a Trump with your goals of, of helping build someone up to the point where they become an unstoppable leader? You know, isn't that the goal of, of what you're doing is to almost make someone become the top of their game and become like the, the number one person at whatever they're doing. So like, could you feasibly like build a Trump? Svengali. No, that's, that's not what I do. So what I do is I help people. You, you don't take body parts from different, different. dead people, <laughs> put it together, <laughs> and then put a new brain and electricity. You don't do that? The yes. brain of Jefferson. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> so now, raccoon tail for a <laughs> What I basically do is I help people to build out the plan of the best them that they want to be, mm -hmm. right? So success looks totally different for all of us. Yeah. And so whatever success looks like for them, I partner with them as a thought partner and say, okay, here's a plan. Here are the things that you've said are important. I help people to identify the blind spots that they may have 
as well as opportunities that might be right in front of them that they don't see. Mm-hmm. And then we build a plan around who but, you really but are. But if, if, if you're saying that you help people like to reach certain level to become, you know, so, but people that can afford you are on a certain level. Am I correct? Well, some of them, not all of them. That's why I wrote the book. So everyone has access to the information. It's uh, a great question because I no, have, somebody I've, had had people, I've had people reach out to me who want me to mentor and coach them. And actually, my executive coach uh, told me they're going to come out of the woodworks under the mentor me because they don't want to pay the fee. Yeah. Right. And so I've had so many people reach out to me wanting coaching or mm-hmm. mentoring. And they I say, well, have you read the book? No. Yeah. But they want me. I was like, well, my hourly fee is X. So if I'm spending time with you for free and you're not in, willing to invest the time to read the book, I'm more invested in your outcomes than you are. Yeah. That's and never going to work. And if, and if someone reached a point where it's like, okay, so I'm good. I think I could be great. I need a career coach right now. Mm-hmm. He's already there kind of thing, don't you think? No. He's already like kind of successful a little bit. A little, you can be a little successful, yeah. but if you want to continue to grow and you want to continue to develop, so I'll give you a great it's like example. A cheat code for success. Yeah, I was gonna <laughs> say when I was a sales manager, I was successful. Yeah. I was making more money than I ever thought I would make. I was doing well, but I was like, okay, but there's more for me to do. And then when I became a vice president, there was still more that I felt that there was for me to do, but it was aligned more with my purpose. Yeah. And so I had to continue to, to develop. Like now, I still work on my development and making sure that I'm continuing to grow and I read at least 15 books a year because I want to make sure I'm growing and I'm also in a position to help my clients and my mentees and everyone continue to grow. So anytime you stop investing in yourself, you're going to start regressing because someone else is always So let me, let me tell you the problems that I see in people that I've had to work on. You tell me if these are the things that you work on. First of all, number one, stop making excuses. Yes. How do you get people? It's like heroin, these excuses. How do you get people to stop with the excuses? You take responsibility. It's, it's around responsibility. So that's the self-awareness component. Yeah, that's the you, emotional intelligence how you, component. How do you go from being aware of these things to turning it into action? You guys have some great questions. So when you think about emotional intelligence, I'm sure all of you have heard the term. 80% of overarching success based on the research for years and years and years is going to be based on emotional intelligence. Only 20% on IQ. So think of it this way. No, there are a lot of smart people out there. You saw the a, shot, Ian. It's just. <laughs> <laughs> but, not a lot, but not a lot of emotionally intelligent people. So with the research showing that the 80% is around of your success is going to be on emotional intelligence, the more you grow that muscle, and it is, it's like a muscle. The more you invest in it, the more you train, the better you get. So, like, how, like w- give an example. So, let me give you the four quadrants. So, there are four quadrants to emotional intelligence that most people don't know uh, mm-hmm. that are there. So, it's around self awareness, and then it's around self management, social awareness, and relationship management. So, those are the four quadrants, and you have different levels of proficiency in each of those quadrants. So, once we do the assessments and we figure out um, through your life experiences, you know, doing the interview as well as the results from the assessment, we identify where your strongest and where your areas of opportunity are, right? So what you were just saying with someone who cannot take responsibility, that is a lack of self-awareness as well as self-management, right? And there's a quadrant there for the relationship management because they're not even seeing how that's impacting their relationships and the perceptions of them. Now, what happens when it's, because I've seen this, so when someone thinks they didn't get the job because they're a woman, or I knew someone who thought they didn't get make partner because they were Jewish, 
Or I had, oh, I remember, I had a, actually, he still, he still works with me, but I had a, a, a dude who was, he, he started by handing out flyers. I can say his name, Raj. You know the guy, Raj, yeah. who sings with me in the olive tree? So he started out as a flyer guy for me when I had the Cafe Wa. And he would always come late. I mean, always come late, always come late. And, and I warned him, I'm, I can't be exaggerating, 15 times. And finally, I fired him. And he accused me of firing him because he was black. And I'm like, motherfucker, I wouldn't have hired you. <laughs> like, like, you were always right. late. Yeah. So, the, the, I mean, it's a nice ending because here we are like 25 years later. We're still right. working together. So, but, but I remember at that time, like this, 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 anything he would, but this is common to so many people I know. They'd latch on to anything other than to say, fuck, I fucked up. I was late again. Yeah. He, he didn't believe that's the reason really, I fired the, the So, so you like, must have people coming to you all the time telling you, he doesn't, he doesn't like strong women. He doesn't like that. And you know what? In any individual situation, that could be the reason. Yes. But when it's a pattern, you're like, wait a second here. Exactly. I can't yeah, be happy to do over and over. What do you say to someone over. that goes, so, well, as a woman, we've been socialized <laughs> to not ask for a raise. We've been socialized to not. Right, don't bring your politics into it now. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead. What do you do so, when a step so how do you your boss keeps insulting you on a podcast? How do you, well, <laughs> maybe you had to show me a picture of your, or whatever. What? <laughs> how do you, oh, my bad, So how do you talk to people about these things? What do you say to them? So that's a part of the perception. Say, my employees don't like me. They don't, you know, there's a lot of, they don't like Jews. They just don't like me. Yeah. You never so, give us a good well, reason. They have to. a point. I mean. <laughs> <laughs> so, what would you say to me? So, it would actually be we would have to go through the process to really evaluate what's going on in the situation. Because sometimes what I don't like to do is just minimize all, automatically that it's a bias that the individual is dealing with. So, we evaluate it. So, I'll give you guys an example. Hopefully, this will, uh, will help you. So, um, the title of the book this is how I got to the title of the book. I had a woman come to me for coaching. She was uh, working in one of the large media companies here in the city, uh, and she felt her new boss was trying to get rid of her. And she had been there for like 15 years, had been a good performer, and all of a sudden this new boss was after her. That was her perspective. So I said, okay. So we met, we talked, we went through everything. I walked her through my four categories. We did everything. And over the six months, we real I realized, yeah, the boss is a little nuts. And I was like, okay, but. Before we start working on the boss, let's work on you. So what are some things that you can be doing differently? How can we position you differently? How can you actually change the perceptions within the first seven seconds of seeing you? People judge you as valuable, not valuable, credible, or not credible. How are you showing up in these meetings every week? How is that impacting the relationship or the perceptions and those things? And at the end of the day, we walked through it, everything, and uh, six months later, she got two promotions that she had been Warning for years. The boss got fired. I had nothing to do with the she boss getting fired. So ah. she, she slept with him. <laughs> no. <laughs> she, she, the, boss, the boss got and fired. And she said, you have, you have to write a book because I didn't know what I didn't know and it was hurting. Because everything from her lens was on the boss. She had become a total victim. And it's mm. hard to find victory when you're a victim of everything. So we really have to make sure that people... So, and, and also when you're, not, when you're not confronting things head on, whether it's personal stuff or interpersonal stuff, your mind can make shit up oh, and yeah. then start, you know, sort of, uh, um, I forget, forget what the word is, uh, catastrophizing what's oh, yeah. going on. And I, I, last year, I, that was a particularly um, bad time for me because there was all this stuff happening that I wasn't confronting. And I'm like, just thinking the worst and the I'm going to get fired and blah, blah, blah. My, my marriage is going to end and, and all that. And then... Once you make that step to actually confront it and be like, hey, what's going on here? Yep. 
that stuff starts falling away, and you're like, oh, here's some things I can actually work on. It's the hardest so, thing to do is to look so in the mirror. Let me ask you something. So, and the flip side, if if, not, if I'm not having problems with the boss, but if you're doing a good job on you on a raise, when is the good time to uh, to ask for what you deserve? Well, let's assume he's not Jewish. Do you get I paid hate for that this? Word <laughs> deserve. Do you but get go paid ahead. for this? What? I hate that word deserve, but go ahead. No, Why? No, no sometimes, you, sometimes you deserve to. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Yeah, it, but there's a way to ask for a raise. You don't just go in and say, I want a raise, because a raise is two cents. Yeah. Right? I just give you a quarter, that's a raise. So I, what I coach my clients on doing is making sure that you're clear on what you're asking for and why you deserve it. I've had people ask me for raises, and I said, okay, so you know, let's walk through your um, mid-year review, or let's walk through your year review, let's talk about, and they want a raise for what I'm already paying them for. Yeah. So my question is, so what have you done over and above that you just feel that you deserve over the the minimum that we give, you know, cost of living adjustment? What have you done? How can tell your story, right? I do I want I deserve a raise or I'm looking for a raise based on this. And when we look at the Well, raise doesn't necessarily mean money only. No. Well, if if you're looking Less for hours, an increase in whatever. You have, so whatever you're looking for, whatever you're asking for, mm-hmm. be able to articulate what you've done over and above what you're already receiving to justify it and be able to tell your story. So, so many people don't have a story. They just say, well, I just deserve it. And so every, anyone could come in and say that they just deserve it. So I, that's number one. Do your evaluation of the current market if you're asking for money and say, okay, the going rate is this. I'm doing these things that align with that. And the east things over and above, I think this would be fair. And if they say no, say, okay. Now, I would like that in the next six months, year, to be at this salary. What are the things that I need to show you? What are the things that I need to be doing to mm-hmm. get that? So now you've, they have to, you've put them on the spot. Mm. And then now when you deliver, you have to evaluate, okay, are they going to hold up to the promise? And if not... Then we start talking about the exit strategy because sometimes it's time to go. And we stay too long sometimes trying to force someone to uh, appreciate our value versus going somewhere where our value can be uh, really And you you always ask for more than what you really want because of the negotiation strategy, right? Yeah. Typical, typically, mm-hmm. I don't believe give, in that. You give a what you do is what? you give a you you have you should have a range, but it should be realistic. So that's the key for me. Don't come to me and ask me for some astronomical number because the, the negotiation or the conversation just ended because you're not being realistic. Well, it's hard to value yourself too. You know, if you like feel that you're not personally worth anything in your private life, <laughs> you're like oh, I'm just a worm. You know, it's so like hard. Okay. Let me talk about another thing. Okay, lateness. Yes. This is something which is tremendously frustrating to a person in charge who needs to get things done in an organization. You mean coming late? Coming late, yeah. Yeah. What time and the is, podcast and start? Is constant, <laughs> and, and is so. Oh no, you know I had It's so. It is so dismissed and forgiven of themselves so, when hold people on. do it. Like I've had, I've had employees that oh, ask me for a raise. I'm like, you know what? No. But if you come on time every day, I will give you a fifty dollars a week bonus. And they still can't, they still can't accomplish wow. it. So you, and then to be fair, you have to me to give me a raise. I said, dude, I offer, all, all I'm asking you is, I mean, you can get fired for not coming on time. I'm just asking you to come on time, and I'll give you a much bigger raise than you ever. Right. How do you get people to come on time? So Being before 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 you so answer this, why I'm, before he answers it? Because I you used to had a great rule, which is if you come late. 
the next schedule is 15 minutes earlier, and they keep going earlier and earlier until they're here in time. What happened to that rule? I don't remember that rule. Never, nothing works. Really? Nothing. That was working like magic. Anyway, well, go ahead. So for me, what are the consequences? Um, yeah, well, that's his point. Like, coming, having to come 15 minutes earlier. Do you feel weird as an African-American male talking about lateness? <laughs> no. What the no. fuck? <laughs> yeah. Holy shit, because I'm calling back to time. your original question about... <laughs> My original question didn't, didn't play an ethnic trope. I was going to say, his original question was not built on a stereotype. Now, That's you, fair. You That's would fair. never meet a client in a pool or anything. Uh, right? Well, if you don't mind hearing, small dick Ian has something to say. <laughs> right. I mean, I would listen to you as a boss if you weren't a Jew. Um, so let me tell you, let me find the final wanna, thing. I want to answer yeah, that, please, though, because that's around perceptions, right? So all of us have a brand. There are three things that people think about us or say about us when we're not in the room. If part of your brand is being late, yeah. you're not going to get. So having you're those. You're not getting anywhere. You're not getting anywhere. But as, as, but as a, uh, a manager or a leader, having those conversations. I ha I've had to have those tough conversations with people and say, this is how you show up. Current, to me, this is your brand. What do you think your brand is? And then we come to, okay, if this is your brand. And this is where you want to go. These are the attributes. These are the three adjectives that people say about people that are in those types of roles. Now we need to focus on how you get those attributes. So, can you change, can you change that? Yes. How people perceive you and everything? Yes, come on absolutely. time. Yes. So I want to tell you a story. You'll like this story. So, so um, I had, uh, you know, I run all these places and I, need, I needed, um, I had this bartender who I took to be like, Puerto Rican girl, kind of from the hood. I didn't really know. And AOC. Yeah, yeah, kind of. <laughs> but not, no, not even the AOC. And um, I would send out like an email, like I need all the bartenders to um, uh, take the health department test by three weeks from today. Mm -hmm. And hours later, she said, I, I took the health department test. And I need all the bartenders to, do, and, she, and she was constantly just doing. Like, I, and I remember saying to my wife, my wife is Puerto Rican. I'm like, sweetheart, I don't know. Maybe I'm some sort of racist. But, but you know, this Puerto Rican girl, like, she's like, I've never seen anybody like this. So the end of the story is, it turns out she's Italian. But, <laughs> but, but the end of the story. <laughs> this was going so well. Okay, go ahead. No, but the end of the story is, I mean, that's just my coincidence to turn out. But I didn't, it had no, it has no bearing on, had no bearing on my decision making. What is that? She became the general manager of the entire organization. She went from bartender to this, to, to just head bartender, managing the fat life, was managing the fat life, and the underground, managing everything, everything. She makes very, very good, good salary. And Who is it? Liz. Liz. Oh! Liz. No way! Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh! But the point That's is that such a great story. all she did was Liz. just do exactly... What she was asked to do. Right. And that made her totally unique. Yeah. Like, you know, I didn't, you but, know, but he, he with, mo with most bosses, with most employees, generally you have to ask them something two or three times. I know. With her, I only ever had to mention something once. And then she'd be like, remember when you asked me to, remember when you asked me about that window thing? Look, I, I had, you know, like, especially when you're on a restaurant, like, you know, that wi those wires over there are hanging down. And you usually have to ask somebody like 10 times before they get rid of the wires. But with Liz, I would just ask her once, and then I come in like a week later, the wires are taken care of. I'm like, this is how 
You could take somebody who has no interest in hiring a woman, no interest, in, and they'll be like, oh, forget about all that smack I was talking. She needs to be the manager. And I think people underestimate just do your fucking but, job. But, but he has a point. Let him his, answer. But I want to add something to that. In his book, they says 5% that you see potential for to give the training and the opportunity. And that's what you saw on her. That's she had potential. You know, she was doing great. You give her you a chance. You didn't add, you subtracted. No, I didn't. Oh, I go ahead, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. <laughs> so what you just described was her brand. Yeah. Right? So that when I talk about the four I think that's what made me think book, of it. Yeah, yeah that's the, the pre perceptions, right? So her brand is sense of urgency, right? Clear executor can be counted on. Yeah. Dependable. Those are the things that you want in a general manager. So she started the, her brand and with the process that you had, the three adjectives that you thought of, those might have been, but that was a, you know, I know those were in the perception yeah, that you yeah. had of her. And she kept demonstrating that. And now there's consistency. She's a leader. We need her in a And by the way, she never conceived she could be general manager. We didn't, I created the position for her. Because of her there brand. Wa there, there wasn't one before. I never thought, because everybody, I just never thought I could have. Give somebody that kind of responsibility. Yeah. So it's just, it's just, it's just a very, I think, very telling story for people who think, oh, I can't get ahead. No, you know what? You can, sure. you can get ahead more than you even realize. You can get a boss to create a position that never even existed before just by showing him that you're valuable. Did you but, but, but uh, not to cut you up at this point, yeah. but there, there, is, there is something, though. She, you know, you recognize that, you being a boss. In a lot of corporate world, you have managers and then the big boss. He doesn't see what you do. They take credit for what you do. You manage to recognize oh. this because you saw it, correct? You well, there's a, there's a, that's a good point. You guys are just walking straight through the book. That's the positioning component the of the book. So your line manager cannot be the only person that sees what you're doing. So I actually coach my clients and I talk about ways in the book to get exposure Authentic exposure, not mm -hmm. no parasitic exposure, <laughs> but you know, and, and not well. the other exposure that you're good at. Go ahead. <laughs> not indecent exposure. But really, getting involved. We don't in, say okay. indecent anymore. But go ahead. Indecent. Exposure? I'm kidding. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Wasn't that a movie? Decently challenged. <laughs> go ahead. Um, but that's one of the things that you you have to do is make sure that your work. So if you have a boss, so I actually. I have a whole section in here, how to get around a bad boss. Yeah. So what my total theme is, is that don't ever become a victim and there are always options. When you become a victim, you stop looking at the options. So one of the key things that I always ask people to remember is that whatever you focus on grows, right? So if you focus on they're doing this to me, my boss can't, I can't do this, all of those things, guess what? You get more people say, yeah, he's horrible or she's horrible or poor you and then your head is down, right? opportunities are constantly going by, but your head is down. So you have to lift your head up and say, okay, now what can I learn from this? What can I do differently? But is that not being ableist? Ableist? Shut up. Mm -hmm. you, I meant decency, decency uh, challenge. That's what you are. You're a decency, Dec you're a decency <laughs> but, but, challenge. But, but that, that is not to, indecent. That is to my point. If there was, say, a GM for Liz, for example, you would, not, you would have given the credit to the GM, not to her. You know, but because it's direct line between you and, and the employees, mm -hmm. that's the, the best way. Yeah, that's the best way for well, you to well, recognize well, that. Listen, there is a different dynamic in a small business and a small organization than a large one. Yeah. I grant you that. But I still think in, look, 
my experience in life has been the following. In a, in a five-year window of time, I've seen people get drastically uh, the wrong result in life for what I thought their talent or their ability or their conscientiousness was. In a 25-year window, I don't think I've ever seen that happen. It seems to me mm-hmm. over, over 20, 25 years, virtually everybody I, I've ever known has risen kind of to the level that it felt to me that they belonged to me. If somebody had their shit together, if somebody's good, somebody was smart, even if they got fucked over at this job, their manager took credit, somehow, 20 years later, <clears throat> they're doing quite well. I agree. You agree? I agree. Yeah. And, and I'll give, let me give you an example of what you were just describing So around positioning yourself differently authentically. So I was a, a manager. I, was a, I think I was a marketing manager. I'd been a sales manager, moved into marketing, we had never had an African-American man to be a head of marketing within the organization. Never had one. So I was a marketing manager, and then I got involved in an employee resource group. So I started leaving, leading our African Ancestry employee resource group because development and investing in people, this was years ago, 10 years ago, it's something important to me. So I created all these great programs around mentoring and uh, development and all of these great things, and I got this, the executive committee got wind of it. And so they gave me extra money to do more programs. Then they wanted me to come and speak at different things. Next thing you know, I moved faster than anyone to senior manager. Then I moved to associate director and ultimately to the first African-American man to be a head of marketing. So it wasn't that I had a manager that was holding me back. I didn't have exposure, the necessary exposure that I needed. That's when I was identified as a high potential. Uh, And then you get different lenses. So there are always opportunities to get the visibility. The key thing is to be more focused on doing the work than trying to be seen for doing the work because that's when the people start to judge you as this person is just opportunistic and not really invested in what they're doing. I'm wondering, so um, a lot of the work that you do, you're obviously working with adults. Um, I'm wondering, do you ever work with high school kids, college kids? Because um, I noticed that one one of the best things that happened to me was uh, I was living in LA a few years back and uh, a fan of mine from Australia. You have fans? Uh, yeah. Okay. Do you believe it? One guy in Australia. <laughs> What's his name? One weird kid in Australia. What's his name? Fan? The fan. The fan. <laughs> the fan. He's a boxer. Peace be unto him. The fan. Um, he's from Australia. He, he started like watching my, uh, my comedy videos when he was like 17. He was going to be doing an internship in LA and said, hey, um, I've been watching your stuff. Um, could I you know, take you out for lunch and pick your brain? We met up. Uh, we, you know, we, had a, we had a meeting. And then I thought, like, oh, well, you know, I'm going to be – I have, like, this shoot. Can you help out? He said, yes, come help out. And every single time I reached out to him to ask him to work on something, he said, yeah, great, well, let's, let's do it. And I can't – his name's Phil Hancock. He's, he's a, a really great guy. And having, I, I had never met someone that young who was just such a go-getter and just open to learn and to, and to work on stuff. And I'm like, I wasn't like that when I was his age. And I was thinking, man, if I was like that at his age, where would I be now? So I'm wondering, you know, do you, you know, give these lessons to, you know, younger people? Yes, absolutely. So I teach uh, in the workshop. At high schools, um, colleges, I've been on a college tour as well. It's really interesting because um, I think the earlier you get the concepts, the more successful, to your point, you will be long-term. Like my daughter, 
and my nieces. So I raised my daughter and my three nieces. They're running circles around their peers because they understand the concepts here and they understand emotional intelligence. So my daughter will call me. She's graduating from college in December. And she was like, oh, my gosh, this girl has no self-awareness or her relationship management is horrible. So she's speaking the language. So she's able to evaluate people and also able to take responsibility when she's doing something and make adjustments. Uh, so I do do that. I'm actually also uh, a part and run a, a foundation for foster children. It's called Sunshine's Open Door Foundation. It's actually named after my grandmother, who is the primary reason. Grandmother's that I name do is it. Foster? Sunshine. You just made yourself the greatest human being that's ever been on this podcast. So, fuck you. Actually, oh, I'm interested in this. The so, yeah, yeah, so the foundation. So we have a foundation, Sunshine. And I, I should have made a joke, but go ahead. No, no, that's okay. Uh, but it's my not. grandmother's, her birth name was Sunshine. She was born in Texas in 1915. Her grandmother was Native American, so that's how she got the name. Um, but the foundation is all about helping foster children transition from the foster care system into adulthood successfully. And so we're having a big event coming up in March in Texas uh, at Paul Quinn College. It's the only historically black college or university in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, and it's called Expanding What's Possible. So we're bringing all young people, whether they're foster children or not, from 14 to 18 together, and we're going to teach them about these life skills uh, that they need to be successful as they move forward, and we're going to make it an annual event. So I think it's, it, the earlier we start with our children, the more successful they are. And, and especially that, that, that age group yes. in the foster system, like, man, it, it's, 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 it's terrible. So, yeah, it's so sad. Monroe the, uh, Martin is a great comic that uh, was in foster care, and he does a lot of different foster care programs. Oh, I'd love to talk um, to him. Yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll put you in contact with him. But that that's... I like how Ian doesn't want to do it, but he'll put you in contact with somebody else. Just He's afraid that they'll make him adopt. <laughs> I'm a, I'm a selfless, kind person. You're going to have some sort of uh, alert system to keep Ian away from the foster children. <laughs> There's an Amber Alert that goes off. An Ian Alert. You know, I'm not allowed in the Dallas area, but a guy I know. You can just say that. <laughs> Your ankle bracelet can't go in the way. Actually, his mustache starts vibrating anytime he gets too close to a child. So, you know, I'm very, like, I'm very, like, uh, impressed by everything you say. I have to tell you, I have some skepticism only in that I don't believe you could teach people anything. Like I, like I'm, I'm very impressed. If, like if you can actually teach people something, that's a tremendous skill. Cause I can't even get my kids to like you know take their shoes off and leave them by the by the stairs like they're supposed to. It just seems to me that so much of the the patterns of our behavior are so deep. It's very difficult to like read a book or, and have somebody. Yeah, is it? How do change you change it? once someone perceives you as a certain way, like late guy, not reliable? Like, how do you change that perception to have like a redo to then succeed from that? No, I mean, how is do you actually? Question? But they get people they, to change. They approach him. He doesn't. Uh, it's different so maybe if that's you try to it. force for something. But they come to him. It's like, hey, I want to you know, change. You're like so a you, charter school. You know, they just did it. You know, they, they still believe these charter schools do do much better than other schools. But there's a big theory out there. And I, I, I believe it's mostly true that they self-select, meaning that just the fact that somebody showed the interest in the charter school, you're already not dealing with the they, same they type of... They put their name in the lottery. Just, yeah, the, just, the, just the fact that like, I, they were concerned enough to want to be in the charter school. Now, all of a sudden, you have a different population that you're dealing with. Just someone's concerned enough to get to you. 
already you have a different type of person than if you would approach them. Exactly. So, yes, I don't go out approaching people. My thing is, is if you're looking to do something different and to get different results, I'm here to support you. So you have to be committed. Like I said earlier, I fired people because they said they were committed, but they actually weren't doing the work. So it was a waste of time. So I don't push anything on people. So if, if you're receptive and you want to grow, I, I'm here to help you grow. Um, one but of the you things you don't that believe that people can grow or change is what you're saying. Well, no, I, I wouldn't go that far, but mm -hmm. I, I'm very skeptical of it happening all that often. But I think it, what we just discussed is a big part of it. Yeah, people, the people who are ready to actually commit and pay money to go see him are a very tiny segment of the population. And they may be the most likely. And then a certain, maybe 50% of them don't manage it. But then if you have 50% of that, that's, you know, you for those it's people. A, it's a very robust group. So you mentioned earlier the 5%. So in corporate America, according to the Harvard Business Review, only 5% of people are considered high potentials. What uh, do you mean by high potentials? High potentials are the people that organizations invest time, money, mentorship, energy into developing because they see something in that person and they're like, you know what? We're going to invest in them at a heavy level. But they get access to information, training, and support that the other 95% of people don't receive. Like Liz. Like Liz, exactly. So now, if you're a woman or a person of color, it's more like 2% or 3%. So that 95% is considered Caucasian men. I was given access to all of that training and support early on in my career. I was identified as a high potential. So that's why I was like, okay, so now how do I take what I know and give it to other people because I'm not the only one that has potential, but I didn't have access to the information. So now if you have potential, I'm giving you access, and uh -huh. if you're willing to do the work, you, you're going to grow. My results have been fantastic with people that are committed to and doing do you find so. that people I, pass that on to others? Most of them do. I, ha I have an observation. It's, it's going to sound like a joke, but it's not really. You know. Okay. Um, so you say sometimes you recognize, you look for something, and there's 5% who... Who has potential, and you focus no, on them, and no, let, let me not you, not you. No, I'm gonna say it's not five percent that have potential. Five percent get access. access yeah, they get the investment. Only five percent get the investment, according to the Harvard Business Review. But because my they, goal is to ensure that's that what I'm more talking about the review get. from Harvard. That means yes. there's five percent that they think they have high potential. Yes. Right. Yes. Yes. Isn't that kind of like the same thing with when they recruit terrorists? Do you understand what I'm trying to say? It's I know it's a, it's a weird uh, angle, but there's six uh, degrees of separation between any subject and terrorism with this dude. No, I I want I, wa I always want to know <laughs> two degrees how, of separation. How do you recruit? So you there gotta is a, be there is a career more coach. handsome. There is if a you want to recruit. No, I think there's coach. a career coach back home, and he will be like, "You have potential for five percent." So does it work like that? Do you think like? What? He doesn't I, fucking I know no about terrorists. What the fuck are you talking about? Why are you asking the, the black a, dude about terrorists when you when you were sitting right it's here? It's not about oh, no, <laughs> shit. you know. It's not about terrorists. <laughs> you pretend you don't know. What I'm, what I'm saying, <laughs> what I'm saying is, that when you see potential in somebody, whatever that potential to do, yeah, and you invest in that potential. So and you invest in that potential. So it could be the same thing like terror. You you see potential. These people could do something. Yeah, what, what percentage of the vest? This is what I'm trying to do. Is finding a disenfranchised group that you can then infiltrate to make them feel as if this this is going this to is serve. going to so yeah. Fix I look them, at so this is what better. I'm trying to say. Yeah. So, so they look at so negative. A, they're at the other end. Those dudes are at the other end. I don't want to get into terrorism so much, but I I'm I don't buy this whole disenfranchised group 
thing. I think I think that if the uh, like uh, the Hasidic rabbi, what was that, Schneerson, Rabbi Schneerson, the one who died, you know, the famous Hasidic rabbi, whatever it is, what I think the grant, like the Rebbe, yeah, the Rebbe, like they, you know, they 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 consider him like you know close to God, the final boss. Um, if he had started telling them to commit bombings, they would fucking do it. There's, you know, like, like it's, it's, they believe that religion so fervently, if their leader told them that this is what they sh- ought to be doing, mm-hmm. a lot of them would do it. I don't, it, they're not disenfranchised. They're fanatics. And, but what's the percentage uh, of those people? I think they're, it's no. both. I think they're fanatics, and I think there's a group of disenfranchised people Absolutely, that feel yeah. that they need Agreed. to belong to something. Yeah. The people who and they're more the, susceptible. The 9/11 terrorists were not disenfranchised. I'm talking about white supremacists. I'm talking oh, about like he was talking about his people, right? But why I think, does it have to be my people? <laughs> well, I think you guys think are talking also, about extremists, and that's extremists, what you're talking yeah. about. Yeah. Extremists, no matter who they are or what culture they're coming from, they're tapping into. I think what you were saying. There's some message that's being delivered that if you do this, you're gonna help us to do this. Exactly. And You'll be, be somebody. So, so you know what? what I had a point. People, you all made fun of me. I had a point. Okay, I want to. I have another observation. I don't. I don't I'm, I'm not. I might have trouble expressing, and I've said this before, but I used to have better examples. I can't remember any of the examples, but I'll tell you this as a boss. I've noticed the following: wherever somebody does something wrong, they 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 had a situation and they did what I thought was the dumb thing to do, and I'm like. Why didn't you do this? And they don't. They always have like a good reason. I didn't do that because uh, I thought, and they have some this clever reason why they decided to go this way as opposed to that way. And I noticed that if you zoom out on all the dumb things that people do, what you find is that in almost every situation, they came to a fork in the road, and they chose the option that was easier. And they don't even realize that, like, the option that would have made sense would have meant calling 411 and getting my phone number, even though you, you didn't have, you know, like, oh, I thought it was too late to call. You know, like, no, you didn't think it was too late to call me. If, if, if I owed you 30 bucks, you would have found a way to, to call me, you know. And I think, but they don't even realize it themselves. But if you, but, but think about it in your own life, because I notice it, there's always the temptation to do what actually is slightly easier. And it's very insidious. Go ahead. Ian. So can I can I ask a question onto that? The employees that take the harder road, they get noticed. Good. So then, what's the difference between an excuse and a reason? Uh, That's a great question. You know what? I mean, I I I I'll, I'll let him take it. What's the difference between an excuse and a reason? Well, <clears throat> the lines can be a little blurry. Uh, what I would say when people are making excuses, um, they're making the same mistakes over and over and not making any change. Right. So one of the things that you should think when you think about this question, so making a mistake, we all make mistakes when it becomes a pattern. Now that becomes part of your brand. Right. So what you're saying, as far as these dumb decisions that people are making, if it's a pattern of behavior, now it goes to judgment. And so part of their brand is they have poor judgment. And so that impacts who is going to be promoted, who's going to get the raise, who's going to be given the prime slots of whatever. Does that resonate? Yeah. In a way, yeah. The, the repeated pattern yes. is anything explaining that as an excuse. Yeah. Well, when you start making excuses about everything, and also and when you, you can't take, take responsibility. And it doesn't work, then that's an excuse, right? What's that? If you take the easy route of like, well, I thought it was, I couldn't get your number. Well, that's an excuse. 
rather than a reason. Yeah, I mean, right? there, there are there are things that go wrong, and there are yes. reasons, but um, the proof is in the pudding. Generally, if you actually have a good reason, then you're probably not even going to get in trouble. Like, you know, usually I've been in a situation, somebody, something terrible happened, and they explain to me, I'm like, all right, well, yeah. you know, what are you going to so, do? <laughs> like, so that's not another question. If you do something uh, wrong, uh, Steve, what's... Our, our friend Steven wants to say something. Uh, Come jump. Um, I think uh, also... An excuse. This is Marion Brooks, by the way. Stephen Calabria. Stephen Calabria. Uh, I think also an excuse is something that does just that. It tries to excuse poor behavior when a reason is actually oftentimes taking responsibility for what went wrong. But here is the reason why that happened. That's not to say that it was a good outcome, but here is the reason. Mm -hmm. And in the future, like you said, also, that, uh, they're open to change. I don't think it's... Uh, it's uh, <clears throat> This he is he and I had a big fight about this, where he gave me an excuse, and I, I, I he gave me and a, reason, a reason, and I told him he was giving me an excuse. Oh, what was the example? Oh, I'd love to rehash it if you want, but yeah. I don't want to. Yeah, I mean, there's been so many. <laughs> I say the poor guy just sat down. What's that? I say the poor guy just sat down. So, so, so to his point, when you do something wrong, it's a good as a boss, what the punishment should be? Like, how, 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 how yeah. severe could you be? Well, Talking it, it, to you it, about terrorism. I was going to say it depends. <laughs> <laughs> this guy's thinking beheading over yeah, here. Yeah, yeah. Why every time I mention terrorism, you take it Islamic terrorism? Okay. Why people come out with people? Okay, good. Good. Yeah. So uh, I, I think it just depends on the level of whatever the, it, the mistake was, how yeah. egregious it was, what are the learnings from it. So to your point, there is a learning from these things, right? Are you able to say, you know what, I might have thought about this differently had I you know, consider this, or in the future I'll look at this this way. People don't expect for you to be perfect, yeah. but they do expect for you to be self-aware and to take ownership. And then people are more, it becomes, okay, that's a reason that this happened. Now, if it keeps happening, now you're just making excuses for your poor decisions. Well, uh, but the level of severity depends on the... Um, I'm going to give advice to all the bosses out there. Punishment is not worth anything... You tell somebody they did something wrong, and if you and if you tell them again and tell them again, get rid of them because you're not gonna. If you have to like start scheduling somebody 15 minutes earlier and then 15 minutes it's too earlier, much work. that's why I say consequences. What's the consequence? They, they're gonna come late again, and it's, it's, you have this constant like limping along employee that needs special punishments just to get them to do. What somebody else Punishment will do doesn't work. I've been okay. Quick, want to talk about like like. Like real heartburn. I have one employee. Like he's always fucking late. Like hours late. And what? I will. So so like I'll be sometimes waiting for him. And I would see him like coming down Sixth Avenue. Now he's like already like an hour late for work. And now he's got think, a coffee. You have a coffee. Coffee. Strolling. La di da. Like just la. I'm like motherfucker. And you're right, like right, bad right. enough. You're late. But this this tells me the essence of your character. Like you're not even rushing. But but, but not, not some, even just character commitment. What but so, sometimes you put you put fear. They, yes. You put what? fear in the employees. No. I no, tell you, I'm saying that I can't. Like you can't. You can't. I to try to overcome the fact that somebody who's an hour late for work hour feels late. has all time Remember, in the world. His attitude is, I'm already an hour late, so what difference does it make an hour and 15 minutes uh, late? Yeah. Well, no, he, no, not, he, there's you no have, shame to it. Noam uh, <laughs> told a story um, on one of the previous podcasts about having employees who stole from him. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And, I mean, you talk about that being part of your brand. Is that something that could be overcome? Because you got burnt I not mean, from, quite a few times from the same person. Not from, not I from returned me. the money. Because now I don't trust you in any capacity right. at that point. If you're stealing, um, there's an integrity issue, and I don't work with people that I, I don't so trust. So I'd, I'd forgiven uh, em employees for this and really got burned. 
because it's the same kind of thing. Like, well, what you do when you do that, when you keep forgiving people, then you say to other people that, well, it's okay, and so they keep inching closer and closer to the unacceptable because you keep accepting more and more. So why not? But sometimes you want to give a chance. I no, I, you can you can give a chance now. Stealing. I, I had I a similar thing. I had I was managing a club and I had this bartender and I knew she was stealing like when we checked her from before. I was like, you know what? She doesn't have anything and she have a little kid. We'll give her the job and she of course stole again. You know? Yeah. So th- so that's so what you have to do is this is what I always say to people is you have to set standards and then hold everyone accountable to the same standards. Now how you coach them to those, but there are things that are non negotiable. Yeah. Right. And so you have to be able to say, because otherwise you lose credibility as the leader. Right. And your but, word doesn't really have it. But I, I t- I'll tell you a story, you know, back when it was here, you know, um, many was very like like the kids were or the employees were so scared to sit with them sometimes because you will, you will know I'm from all people. You will go crazy, you know. So we used to have the CMD thing, you know. Yeah. Which is uh, you have the same thing right now, right? Liz, so let's handle it. Yeah. So uh, so anyway, so there's this kid that always came late, and many sat him down. It's like, who is that? What? Uh, his name was Chad. You know, oh. and he's always drunk. You know, a long time ago. And many told him, if you ever come late tomorrow, you'll be here four o'clock in the morning. Uh, four o'clock. You understand? And he's like, yeah, yes, yes. I was. So I was. Hassan was the manager. I was working, and then four o'clock in the morning, the kid wakes up. He see the clock says. Four o'clock, he calls the olive tree. It's like, I am so sorry. I'm late. I'm on my way. Hassan now thinks he's drunk, you know? <laughs> so he doesn't think that the kid is terrified, you know, because he want to be here. T- so sometimes people have problems, you know? You just... That's the end of the story? Yeah. <laughs> the point of the story is the kid went home that night, slept you know, because he wanted he to wake up He thought it was four in the afternoon. Yes. And then he said, frankly, Scarlett, I don't so, give a damn. <laughs> no, my my point he is he did, he did everything he can. Uh, he went to bed early. He didn't drink. He did everything. And he was terrified. You know, I could, couldn't sleep. And he were, So sometimes you do your best, but this is just your personality. Can I ask you a question? Yes. Um, <laughs> is it your experience in business that nice guys finish last? No, I'm a nice guy. You're like the nicest. No, guy. That's another I, myth. I, I, no, I'm, <laughs> well, well, no, I'm I'm a nice guy, but my people will always say he's tough, but he's fair. So I'm gonna. But you, you have to, we have to have standards and expectations. My philosophy is what you permit, you promote. And so if I'm permitting you to drag the team down, I'm promoting that that's okay, and I'm cheating the people that are giving 150 percent because you're giving. 50%. Look, there's all kinds of myths out there. And if you think about it, if I think about it, it makes sense. If you if you if everything in life distributes on a curve, a bell curve, and the the top 5% are going to be successful. They're going to get where they wanted to get. It's the Pareto distribution. And, uh, and the and the and the other 95% who wanted to get there are not going to get there. And that's just the way it fucking is. And what are those other 95% going to say? I just wasn't good enough. Very few of them are going to say that. So the another <laughs> other ninety five percent come invested in an explanation, which is, oh, it's all about who you know. Nice guys finish last. That's because of who I am. They don't, and and, and this is human nature. This is the, the the excuse. We're wired that way, actually. You know, yeah. genetically, rationalized. So way. so all <clears throat> these um, myths, I think, permeate. Because they ring true with the 95%, which is an overwhelming majority of people who didn't actually accomplish what it is they but really the, wanted. Well, to but accomplish. the environment sometimes, yeah, affects you. 
you know? Yeah. I, I, I hope so you understand what I'm saying. It's, it's, if you think you about know? it in a broad sense, like, of course, people are going to, at least it's going to become a very exaggerated narrative of how the world really is. Yeah. Perhaps. Because you have like to explain why you didn't issues? make it. Huh? Are you talking about like racist or sexist issues in terms no, of black I'm quality? No, I'm, ta I'm, I'm, I'm talking about everybody who mm -hmm. doesn't, of the 95%, who doesn't get where they want to be. And the, that's, that is the blunt way it's always going to be. The reason I asked that question, I've worked at companies before where now it, it, it didn't necessarily come down to their success, but I've known people who got into positions of authority who were pure evil. Yes. And they are effective at their jobs, but and, and that perhaps is the reason why they got to where they are is because they're good at their jobs and the boss they, like. What do you mean by pure evil? Like like uh, like pure sociopaths who bullies. don't who are bullies who do not give a shit about anybody who will not spare anybody's feelings who will trample over anyone for anything. Um, and I've, it doesn't I've seen seem like a like that. very successful way to run something. No, it's not. But and it's mean, not sustainable. So the, some of these people have really good careers, but it always catches up with you at some point. True. It's always going to. And those are people, like I've had the biggest bullies in an organization. We have layoffs. They get laid off. They are crying, but they fired all these people for frivolous reasons. They've done all of this stuff, but they don't want to take responsibility. Mm -hmm. So, But to your point, when you start... When people start to say, oh, I'm a nice guy, that's why I'm not getting ahead. No, they should spend a day with me. I can show you how you can still get ahead and be a nice guy, but hold people accountable. Being a nice person doesn't mean that you let people run over you right. because that's, a, that's not a, a, a right. characteristic of leadership. So if you're letting people run over you or you're not holding uh, people accountable for things and then you're wondering why you're not getting promoted to the next level because you're going to do it at the next level and the organization is going to suffer. What if someone says, I'm not getting ahead because I'm black? It happens. Right. But, it, okay, so now what are you going to do about it? That's my excuse every yes. time. Yeah. <laughs> we talked about that earlier. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> but, but, no, actually, it's what, what I, I try to make sure that I do is that I don't minimize those things because I've run into so many obstacles, especially coming from where I've come from. Mm -hmm. I've been told no and what I couldn't do so many times, and then I have to find other avenues. Or sometimes I just have to be still and so I can respond to the situation versus reacting to the situation. Well, this is the question... Uh, on, on the on the racial aspect of it for just one second. Okay. Um, this is a question that I um, really wonder about, which is the following. Uh, so in my father's lifetime, Jewish people's lifetime, and actually this article that came out about Dershowitz, um, he came out of law school. He was the top student in the class. I think editor of the law review. He applied to 25 law firms. It was turned down by every single one. <clears throat> This was the nature of anti-Semitism in those days. Yep. This is, we're talking about the late 60s. And that was the world that my father always described coming up. And yet, people like my father and that generation, they never regarded that as um, something that in the end was, would hold them back. Now, that cannot be analogized, cannot be analogized to black people in the 50s. They really could not succeed. At what point are, do, are we, do we get to the point where, yes, there is still racism, but no, it's not, it shouldn't become your reason for thinking that you can't make it. At what point does it become more like my, the Jews of my father's generation? Like, yeah, of course you're going to get turned down for shit because you're Jewish. It's going to be that way. 
but there's enough openings that don't don't use that. Do, are we there yet? Are we no. almost there? We're not there. I, yet. I don't think we're there yet. Um, it's the, the power dynamic because those situations do occur. But to your point, what I tell people, okay, now what are you going to do? It's happened. Now what are you going to do? Are you going to just be a victim of it, or are you going to take some different actions, or are you going to go to another organization, or are you going to change the way you show? So making sure that you keep pushing forward, that's the last part of the book, persistence. You're going to get knocked down no matter how good you are, no matter how talented, no matter uh, how connected you are, we're going to have setbacks. You're going to have situations that you run into where you're going to be, you know, knocked to your knees sometimes. The difference between average and phenomenal careers are those people that are able to identify opportunities in their obstacles and bounce back and take, okay, this is what happened. This is what I'm going to do. But if you just focus on what happened versus looking at making things happen, you're going to be stuck. But you, right you, in you that said spot. no, Love but then the answer answer. sounds like you're saying yes. The answer sounds to me, and maybe I'm misunderstanding. I said we're not there yet. Right. You say we're not there yet. No. But then you say. But then if you focus on things, well, no, you, you should be teach. able to be successful. No, that's what I teach is now how do we move forward from it because it's, it happens. It's gonna, going to happen no matter who you are. Everyone is going to have obstacles in their lives and in their careers. I, like, I've had a lot of racial things. I don't focus on them. I focus on, okay, this is what's happening here. These might not be the right people. This might not be the right company. These might not be the right connections. But there are always options. Right. So what are the other options? And so that's why I say lift your head up and stop focusing on what happened and focus on what. Because, you, you know, and I, of course, I don't have a right to say because um, I don't have the experience. But I, I do have at least the experience of someone who hires and deals with people <clears throat> that I think we are at least at least in this part of the country. I, I can't speak for other parts of the country. I think we are there much more than people realize. I think when a a. Uh, any employee of any race or ethnicity or sex or gender, whatever it is, sexual preference, any of it, when they um, are valuable to the enterprise, um, I think in this day and age they will they will uh, and if, and if within within if and if not that particular enterprise, the next one they go to, I think there is a pathway uh, for people who are gifted now. Those are the people who are gifted. I think it's dicier for the people who are more average. And I think maybe the people uh, who are average I, I, I don't know. may get stomped on more by prejudice and, and all that stuff. I, I, see, I, I don't know. Not to cut you off. I don't know yeah. if, if, if that's true. Chris Rock in the Oscars a couple of years ago, he, 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 was, <coughs> he was talking about that point. He's like, Leonardo DiCaprio get a great script every year. Denzel Washington doesn't, you know. So they don't have the same opportunity even. And look how, how high Denzel was. I mean, he's not average. He's excellent, you know. So, so I think, uh, yeah, maybe in this part of the country, no, but there's certain jobs and certain things. Yeah, there's still. No, I would say even in this part of the country. So there's actually research out there that shows just by the name on yeah, a resume, mm -hmm, if yeah. you're going to even get an interview, called in for an interview. So if you right. have an a, a African-American-sounding mm -hmm. name or even a Muslim-sounding name, and you change it and you put a more Caucasian spin on the same resume, these people are not getting called at all. These yeah. people are getting right. called in. I still that's, change that's, it hold to on, Muhammad. Hold on, hold on, but that's, that's, that's a perfectly analogous, analogous to what I was describing about like what it was like for Jews in the, in the 60s and 70s. If you had a Jewish name and you applied to the law firm, you wouldn't get the interview. 
So mm-hmm. I'm saying like there was a, there's a certain baseline significant anti-Semitism and a significant obstacle. But you're talking about a certain amount of time. Yeah. For no. black people, it's been and still. I'm, I was going to say I'm, it's been and still. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. 400 I'm plus years. So. I, I'm saying at some point, we, uh, it subsides enough. Don't get me wrong. I'm not, I'm not saying it's not significant and, and there and something that every person of color at multiple times in his life will, will probably run into. I'm, I'm, I'm really not trying to minimize it. I'm saying at some, does it at some point become a fact of life, but something that shouldn't, that should almost be, and I kind of everything you're saying is this, say, listen, don't focus on that. Look past that. Okay, Alan, you didn't get hired by any law firms. What are you going to do now? Look past that because you're gifted and there is somehow, there is, it's a big world out there. There is a place for somebody with your talent, and sure enough, you know, with with Jews at that time, they did manage to achieve. I so I, at, at some point, it will be gradually. At some point, that will, we will have to acknowledge that. At some point, before there's no more racism, we will be at that point where yeah, there's still racism, but it's not. That's not what's defining. Your opportunities in life. I see what you're saying. I think the caveat with uh, the example you're giving about the Jewish population in the 50s and the African-American experience in the country is that the Jewish population was able to create their own economic power structure where they were able to hire each other. They could they could do all of Mm -hmm. these things that were the African-American experience has been significantly different like if you look at the history of african uh americans in this country as soon as they got land or they got something for their family it was taken over yeah i mean they they would literally come and take it whole cities that were uh economic thriving thriving for african americans and they came you know the the uh, white people got mad they black wall street the black wall street the tulsa thing Mm -hmm. uh there's rosewood so there's so many examples where even if you wanted to achieve and you tried and you started, they told you. So it became, a, they showed you that, no, we can take it at any point. So it became a psychological thing that is more of a barrier as well. But the economic component of it and being able to take care of your own community was, I think, a big difference between how the uh, Jewish population was able to deal with it and accelerate where there are still some struggles here. And it's, it's yeah, really that's, that's how, how we recognize I, that. I agree with that. Past that. And, and is it... I, I couldn't hear you. So, so we recognize that now, as you were saying, how do we move past that? And as a white person, I feel like I, if I even bring that up, like I recognize, I empathize, and I'm deeply sorry for what has occurred. What do we do and what can I do to help to move past that? I feel that, I mean, I've even had conversations. You're doing your part. Friends of mine. <laughs> I feel like they've come down but, to me for being white that I, to tell them to get past it, who the fuck are you? You know, and it's, I'm not looking at that. Uh, as, I'm as not angry. telling anybody to get past it. I know you're uh, not. Okay. I know you're yeah, not. Yeah, yeah, I'm yeah, saying, yeah, yeah. but it can be perceived as but, but, but I tell you So what, how do you beat that so, perception some, to help? Sometimes it work out for you in certain ways. You know, well, but it's interesting. That, that your your life itself is a testament to the fact that you. That's why I started. It was, it was how I started the interview, which is that there's a certain optimism to even what you're doing here, which is at tension with what you're with with what how you're also describing the way you see uh, society in general. It just just that you put so much faith 
in everything in your book yes. rather than writing a book saying it's bullshit. It doesn't matter what the fuck you do if you're, you know, if, if your skin mm. is my color, you know. Because I don't believe that. That's right. Mm. You know, that's I right. don't so, believe it. So the truth is somewhere in, in, the, middle. in the middle. It's somewhere in the middle. Yeah. And I and, uh, ask your question again. I want to make sure I answer it fully. So in, in recognizing what has happened in the past and, and how, you know, different people have been able to make their own economy to move past these things. And at every turn, you know, black Americans experience these horrible things, recognizing that and saying, I empathize, I can never truly understand, but what can we do to move past it? As a white person that can be perceived as minimizing your experience, telling you to get over whatever it is, but it's like, I'm not doing that. I, I want to like truly help. And I don't know how to move past that. So I feel like that's a conversation I can't have. That's an uncomfortable conversation. Right. I, I think it's it's more around, okay, we know that it's still happening. So it's the historical component of it. I think the frustration is that it's still happening, even like right now with all of the stuff that's going on with Hispanics and everyone in the country mm -hmm. right now, the systemic racism is, you know, significant. Mm -hmm. So I think as a Caucasian man, it's, okay, this is what I think that I can do to help, and that's all that you can do to help. But I would I would stay away from the um, anything that could be perceived as just get over it and move on. Well, that's uh, that kind of seems like it's not your angle of get over it. It's okay. I recognize it. We're not going to focus on what happened. We're going to focus on what we can do in the future. So exactly. So now, what can that, we start? What can we start? So maybe even for you, it could be okay. I know you're going through this. Okay, so let's talk about it. Now, what are some things that we can do? How can I help you to move mm -hmm. forward? How can I help you get that connection or get past whatever situation you're having specifically? I don't think any individual should try to take the weight on of fixing the problem for the entire country. Yep. Mm -hmm. I, and, I, I and don't also think because that's you, fair. you also don't want to treat every person you meet as like this. There's a monoculture, a monolithic, you know, idea because not all black people have the same experience. You mm -hmm. know, not not. Not all, you know, Hispanics have the same experience. I got family members that you, you I'm happy if you got rid of those guys from this country. But uh, uh, He's, you're Hispanic, right? Yeah, a little bit. On paper, I sure We got to wrap it up. I got we, we have like a half an hour ahead where I have to cut out all the things I said that have to be removed. Are you going to do the no. editing? No. Uh, yeah, um, I'm going to tell you what's edit. Uh, oh Lou, yeah, it's got to come out. By the way, I was talking about Tal. He's not Tal. Yeah. The manager, yeah, I know. You know, we could still hear he was you. always late, <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. just because you're You're're leaning just towards right so so it. Was not a, it was not a, a racial comparison, but anyway, go ahead. Yeah, I enjoyed this a lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah this is yeah. terrific. Yeah, this is, I feel like guys. we went through the book in like a very um kind of special way, just kind of having your insight. Yeah, authentic. Authentic. I'm really grateful. Lou, you want to share your information? Sure, I, I definitely feel closer to you guys after this. Thank you for that. Yeah. And now you can follow me at Lou on the Subway on uh, Twitter, uh, We the Internet TV on YouTube and Facebook. Thank you. Ian. A-R-A. Uh, I-Animal on Instagram, I-A-N-I-M-A-L. IanFidance.com for my dates. I'm here at the cellar uh, tomorrow, Thursday, uh, all through the weekend and all next week. So come out and say hi, hello. And thank you for having me. Excellent. Thank you, Marion. Uh, you can reach me at Marion, M-A-R-I-O-N-E-B-R-O-O-K-S on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, as well as my uh, website, MarionEbrooks.com. And you can get the book on Amazon and Target online. All right. Stephen. Uh, you can check me out on Instagram, Stephen Calabria, S-T-E-P-H-E-N-C-A-L-A-B-R-I-A. You don't have to check him out, but if you want to. 
And you Life could. of America podcast. Thank you. Good night. That was terrific. That was great. Thank you, guys. Good night. You were listening to Live from America podcast. To contact us, please go to www.livefromamericapodcast.com. Brought to you by the Comedy Cellar and Rethink Production. 